The scripture this morning is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Teresa. Paul starts out the fifth chapter of the letter to the church of Galatia by saying, For freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ has set us free. What good news that is. Jesus has freed us. Let's never forget that. He is our liberator. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. That is the fundamental thing that we come here this morning to proclaim, to celebrate. Christ has set us free. And so we live in freedom. Such a powerful message for us to remember at every time and place that God intends for us to be free, that God does not want us to be bound. God doesn't want us to be oppressed. God doesn't want us to be denied our rights, or our liberty, our freedom. And how fortunate are we as a country, uh, we get to live in this country where that's true for us not only spiritually, but it's true for us physically. It's true for us in terms of our civic life. I appreciate that Penny brought into the children's message the 4th of July. I've been thinking about that this week, even though my neighborhood has not been filled with the constant sound of fireworks. Thank goodness we got past that. But still, we have so much to celebrate here. No less reason to be thankful this Sunday than we were last. Such good freedom we have, both politically, spiritually, like we talked about last week. For freedom, Christ has set us free. But the question is... What are we going to do with all this freedom? What are we going to do with it? That was a question for Paul, and I think it's the same question confronting us and confronting all kinds of Americans here in 2020. What are we going to do with all this freedom? How many of you are on Twitter? A few. A few. I was about to give up Twitter this week. I haven't done it yet, but I'm close is because every single day this week when I opened up my app on my phone, I like to check Twitter over lunch, like to read tweets while I eat lunch, and every day when I opened it up over lunch this week, I saw at least one, if not two, if not three, of a new genre of video that's circulating every day on the internet. Now, I don't follow a bunch of mean and crazy people on Twitter, at least I don't think I do, but it was inevitable that every day in this last week, I came across a video of someone acting horribly in public. Maybe you've seen these on Facebook or on Instagram. Some of them have even made their way onto network news. If you aren't on Twitter, if you aren't on social media, bless you. <laughs> Blessed are you. But a few of these have shown up on the network news, so I suspect that you know what I'm talking about. For every video that you have seen, just trust that there's like 10 or 20 more circulating, okay? So in every one of these videos, someone is acting horribly in public either being openly racist or being openly defiant of some store's rule to wear a mask. And in these videos, there's yelling, there are threats, there are bad words said, there are names called. Sometimes there are things thrown, and in the very worst of them, there are concealed carry weapons drawn and brandished. 
There was one from a few months ago about a man uh, on a bicycle. He was out for a bicycle ride, and he ended up intimidating some young people who were trying to put up flyers for a protest. Now, the biggest problem with that video is he forgot the number one rule of cycling, which is that bicycles make people happy. And he was not happy. He was aggressive. He was mean. Another video that I saw uh, just this week, I think, featured a man kind of like puffing himself up like a rooster. He kept doing this. And uh, he was in the line at Costco, and somebody asked him to take a step back from them because he wasn't wearing a mask. And, and he felt so threatened by this that he responded with rage. Another one I saw this week was a woman just losing her mind at the dentist's office because they asked her to wear a mask uh, in the waiting room. So she was just flat out yelling at the receptionist. Now, do I need to say out loud that this is not the way adults should behave in public? Yelling, threats, intimidation? Did you hear what the Apostle Paul said in that reading Teresa just gave us? Talking about freedom that we've been given, freedom we've been given in Jesus, he says, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But the people behaving badly is not actually the end of this phenomenon. No, no, because once the internet gets a hold of something, watch out. And so what happens after these videos are posted is the people using Twitter or wherever, they scurry around the internet and identify the offender in the video. And once identified, then pressure is put on that person's employer or their associates or whoever to force disassociation. So that guy that was on the bicycle, he got arrested by the cops, which... You know, assaulting people, putting up flyers, that is not a cool thing to do. It's not good. He probably needed to talk to the cops. But everybody now knows his name and his business. I'm not saying there should be consequences, but, uh, but well, take the guy at the line in Costco. He lost his job that very same day. Like, within hours of the video being posted, he lost his job. I don't know what happened to the woman in the dentist's office, but if people could figure out who she was, I assume it was not good for her at all. Now, I want to be clear this morning, I'm not criticizing the kind of moments when uh, things illegal are filmed, like, say, the murder of George Floyd, when that was filmed by cell phone. I mean, thank goodness that was documented. His family deserves justice, and the video is likely the proof that is needed. So illegal acts and violence are something else, something that should be brought to light. But I'm talking about those moments that are being filmed now about someone getting mad in a parking lot. To me, that's a different situation. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. In this cycle of people being videoed while having their very worst moments and then facing severe consequences because of it, I don't see how anybody wins. All I see is biting and devouring one another that leaves everybody worse off, including us, we who have watched the whole thing unfold. Paul, he wrote that line about not being consumed by one another in the year 50 A.D. Think about that. That's 1,970 years ago. And he wrote it to a church that was up to its eyeballs in conflict, a conflict that he himself was being dragged into, much to his dismay, much to his anger. But this is advice that's two, almost 2,000 years old, and it could not be more appropriate to this moment where people seem eager to proclaim their freedom by yelling at other people in public 
where people think that their freedom means that they get to disregard the common good, where some people think that freedom means they get to act as if they're entitled to everything. Some people think their freedom means that they can use the internet to punish as a weapon. It leaves me with with such an unsettled feeling. It leaves me with this deep desire to walk in a different way. Thankfully, Paul offers us a different way. He calls us to do something different, to live differently. He calls us to freedom, but he says your freedom needs to be aimed at service. He calls us to a freedom that has the good of our neighbor in mind. He calls us to a freedom that doesn't just look after our own interests, but looks after the interests of others. And it's, it's really kind of amazing that this is what he has on his mind when he thinks about freedom, when he thinks about personal freedom, especially. If anybody had the right to consider like his own self-interest when it comes to personal freedom, it was Paul. Remember his life. When he started to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, he found himself repeatedly arrested and jailed. In more than one city, Paul and his associates, they were bound and they were beaten. They, they suffered all kinds of hardships and trials in the course of their ministry. And eventually, Paul was executed. He was executed for the work that he did. But yet, when he talks about freedom in Jesus, he means something that goes far beyond physical and personal liberty. Even with all his own trials, he talks about freedom not in terms of of his own hardships. He's thinking about the survival of the church, and he's thinking about the way Christian people treat one another. This church in Galatia that he's writing to, they were in the middle of just this most heated argument that a church probably could ever be a part of about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he's furious at them uh, and the way they've been treating one another. He yells at them kind of in the scripture. At one point, he says, this is probably Paul's worst moment in the Bible, but he says that he wishes his opponents would go and castrate themselves. He's a little worked up. So I don't want you to think, though, that his argument is without passion. Paul's not going to say that we should just let anything go and let, let everyone live as they want. No, no, he cares really deeply about how Christians act. And what he says, bottom line, is that we should act for the good of one another. And there's a professor, Alicia Vargas, that helps us understand Paul's point. She writes, it's not freedom for self-indulgence. It's rather, he, as he says, through love become slaves to one another. Freedom from the requirements of the law doesn't mean anything goes. It still has constraints. And what those constraints are, are the responsibility and the commitment of the welfare to others in the community. Now, he does at one point in that same letter, Paul says, in Christ there is no longer slave nor free. So he knows that we have been given this ultimate freedom. But then he uses that same word, slave, recycling it, reimagining it, repurposing it, reusing it to describe this mutual commitment that we have to one another, the way that we are bound to one another in love. So being free gloriously free with this freedom Christ has given us. It doesn't mean that we're not beholden to anyone. And Paul then, he echoes Jesus, who was quoting the Old Testament, when he said, the law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, that's a commandment we never get to walk away from. That's our charge, that's our mission every single day in this world. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the question that we should wake up with every morning. How do I show love to my neighbor? How do I show love to my neighbor? That's what we are given freedom for. 
so that we can ask that question in each and every circumstance. We are given freedom in Christ so that we can shower the world with the same kind of love that God has for the world. Just imagine for a moment some of those videos I was talking about a moment ago. That lady in the dentist's office. If she understood her freedom to be a chance to love her neighbor, how would she have acted differently? Consider the person who sat in the waiting room and took the video secretly and posted it on the internet. If that person understood their main charge to be love of their neighbor, how would they have acted differently? Or how about all the people on Twitter that, post, that posted it and reposted it and commented on it? If they took seriously the freedom that we've been given to love our neighbor, what would they have done? If we're gonna celebrate our freedom, what does it look like to make it be about loving our neighbor? And maybe those kind of videos, maybe they're too easy of a mark. It's so easy for us to look at the behavior of other people, especially people who are living out their very worst selves in a public way. It's easy for us to look at that and say, shame on you. <laughs> so easy for us to sit and thank God that we are enlightened enough to not yell at other people in public or to internet shame people who do. But you know, Jesus was pretty clear. He said that thing about taking the log out of your own eye before reaching out and taking the speck out of someone else's. So this morning, instead of removing ourselves from the mess we see in these kind of moments, instead of casting judgment on the behavior of others, which is pretty darn easy to do, I want to invite us to reflect on where it is that we're tempted to abuse our freedom in the same kind of way. Where are we tempted to bite and devour others? And instead of spending our time feeling superior to other people, when can we take a moment this morning to ask ourselves, when am I tempted to do that same thing? When am I tempted to just lose it in the face of somebody who I feel like is threatening my way of life or, or someone who's just in my way or someone I'm just pretty sure is being real dumb in that moment? When would I really like to tell somebody off and just because we don't do it, though we have the thoughts rumbling around inside of us, you know, it only makes us minimally ahead of that guy in the line at Costco. I, I think that God is pretty happy when we manage to keep our mouths shut instead of yelling at somebody in public. But what God really wants from us is for compassion and love to flow out of us so that we let those kind of feelings go just the second we have them. That we approach the people around us as neighbors, as those need care, as, as humans worthy of respect and even love. Now, you know, I know that there's a whole lot of good out there on the internet, too. Thank goodness, which is why I haven't totally quit Twitter yet. There's too many great pictures of dogs on Twitter. I can't just, can't quite let it go. But there are also stories of compassion and generosity and kindness and love. They're out there if we look for them. But even more so than on the internet, Paul's reminder to us today is that we have been given this tremendous freedom by God to live our lives like Jesus, can, like Jesus did. And nothing can hold us back from that. Nothing can tie us down. Nothing can stop us from living in this world with the kind of love that Jesus showed the world. Nothing can keep us from loving our neighbor in a way that will shape our lives into holiness and make a real difference for someone else. And we can do that on the internet, believe it or not. We can do it on social media if we're intentional about it. But more importantly, we don't need the internet at all to do it.
We can do it right in the middle of our everyday lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. So my challenge for us this morning is twofold. Twofold. If or when, probably when, there's no if about this, you come across some content online, probably will happen today, content that's focused on conflict, it's focused on drama, it's focused on tearing other people down, I want to invite you to take a moment and pray and ask for God's help to not get sucked into that. Doesn't have to just be on the internet either. We can enco- we can encounter moments like that on TV, cable news of all stripes is rife with this same kind of content. Secondly, then, after we ask God for sort of a shield of protection perhaps to keep us from getting sucked into that kind of dialogue, let's ask God to give us a moment to show some kind of extraordinary love to our neighbor, to exercise our freedom in the way that Paul encourages us to do. Let's ask God to give us an opportunity to share that kind of love with neighbor. And it might be that we can do it with somebody that we know really well. It might be that we get a chance to show that kind of love to a total stranger. Let's ask God today to give us the chance to use our freedom in Christ to offer service and help to someone else, knowing that when we do that, we will be blessed. We will bless them, and we will honor Jesus, who gave his life for our freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen.